If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. This week on Top 5, Top 5 Time Travel Movies. Now, some of you may be sitting there thinking to yourselves, haven't they done this one before? This seems familiar. Are we looping back around to a topic that they've done before? And the answer is kinda. All the way back. I mean, you have to go way back into the archive. All the way back to Top 5 Episode 3 where we did time travel stories that included TV shows, comic books, books, movies, you know, whatever. Anything was up for grabs for stories. This time we're keeping it strictly to movies. And if you think you know what my number one is, I'm going to tell you. All the other time travel stuff that I've talked about in depth before, uh, none of them on my list. So you got that going for it. No, Mm -hmm. No back to the future on my list this time. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to change my list. Why? I said there's no, oh. no, no back to the future on my list. Now there may be back to the future on your list, Matthew. There are a couple of movies where I went, well, I'm pretty sure. That, you know, and first of all, you know, that's not one of my favorite movies, but I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Steven will cover that. So, you know, no, nope, I, I decided against it. And the main reason was it because I talk about it all the time that I think everyone knows that this is like a top, uh, top one for me, just like, right, um, just like a uh, looper would be another one that I would cite quite a bit, or Donnie Darko would be one uh, that I cite quite a bit. But this one is one that I'm diving into things. I've probably talked a little bit about before, but that they are probably things you're like, Oh, that's a time travel movie. Okay. I'm going to have to stop whatever I'm doing and go and check this out. So Matthew, why don't you start us off with your number five this week? Certainly my number five is actually a movie that, I only love because my wife loves it. And whenever it comes up, I'm forced to stop. It's a movie that I like to call Superman versus Dr. Quinn on Fantasy Island. Uh, But it's actually a 1980 movie called Somewhere in Time uh, with Christopher Reeve, who was Superman. And, of course, Jane Seymour, who would later be, um, you know, Dr. Quinn. Also, Christopher Plummer, Admiral Chang uh, of the Klingon Empire. But it's uh, based on a Richard Matheson story. And if you know Matheson, Matheson was actually one of the guys who was a major contributor to the original 1959 Twilight Zone. And some of my favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone and some of your favorites are Matheson stories like uh, Captain Kirk versus a Yeti 
in in an airplane and that one where Lee Marvin beats up uh, a robot. But somewhere in time is the story of a young man uh, who falls in love with a picture of a woman from like the turn of the century, like the year 1910, and somehow manages to hypnotize himself to go back in time to meet the beautiful Elise, uh, played by uh, Dr. Quinn, who, by the way, Jane Seymour, is just an absolutely beautiful woman, and this movie makes her the center of attention. It's a really, really beautifully shot movie, but everything about Jane Seymour in this movie will just make you sit and go, ah. and of course, there's a whole back and forth, and there's a thing where you can't, Focus on being in the future. If there's something there that breaks the spell, your mind will say no, and it will send you and just throw you back. Don't look at the penny. No. (laughs) Exactly. But you get this whole thing where uh, basically the MacGuffin is hypnotism, and he's hypnotizing himself back in time, much as Batman did in the 1950s. But it, you know, it ends with a kind of a twist moment that Stephen just ruined. But, you know, it's top five and it's a 50 year old movie. So, you know, well, yeah, 51 year old movie. No, 41 year old movie. I'm old. Time is bad. But it's really beautiful. It's really well cast. And if you've never seen Christopher Reeve play anything but Clark Kent and the Man of Steel and you're a nerd like me, you kind of owe it to yourself to check this out because the. You know, the science fiction-y aspects of it are really secondary to a gorgeous romance, a really, really beautiful film, and a story that— I would argue that the sci-fi parts are like, you know, what is the what is the lowest number that you can get, and that's where the sci-fi aspect of this is. It's like, <laughs> now, look at this penny really and like... think back to the past. Okay, I'm in the past. Don't look right. at the penny or you'll jump to the future, and that's literally— the, it's, that it's those are the hypnosis. that's the bookends of the movies. Everything else is a love story. It's all about hypnosis. You know, I I think that a zero on the science fiction hardness scale is like killer clowns from outer space, where they just exist. Mm-hmm. It, this it's is like, like a, a one point five or a two, where they they go to the trouble of giving us a mechanism for the time yeah, travel. Yeah. But it's there. You know, it's it's not necessarily. I wouldn't say that it's just a you know a token attempt. Although the penny is a literal token. I, I think it's a token <laughs> attempt. Okay. I mean, it, it's good, though. It's it's a really good time travel movie. Oh, yeah. It's a lovely movie. And, you know, it's, again, one of those films that every once in a while, um, I follow a, a Twitter account called One Perfect Shot. And every yeah. once in a while, they'll get on a riff. And you, if you get to the point where they start doing scenes from uh, this movie, from Somewhere in Time, my number five, they will just put up these shots and I'll be just like, I just want to live in that movie. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and this one is, uh, you can get this easily. It's on a lot of streaming services, so you can find oh, it yeah. fairly easily if you've never seen it before. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Uh, my number five is mainly there because for a long time, I was mystified by this strange movie. Um, Cause I saw <laughs> it when I was very young and then I was like, did I see that or did I dream it? And I was like, Dad, did I actually at some point in my life see a movie in which there was like a robot and it was in the future and there was this lady and every time you toss a cigarette behind you, a laser shoots it. Um, and then the lady goes back in time and my dad's like, yeah, that's Millennium. I think. So, uh, yeah, this movie named uh, Millennium came out in 89 uh, it stars Chris Christopherson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, and he's like an airplane crash investigator, and it turns out that time travelers are involved, and so he meets a time traveler, and then other stuff happens, but it's a weird movie. The visuals are really... I mean, I think if you go back and look at it now, you're like, yep, that's what 1989 visual, like mm-hmm. sci-fi visuals look like. <laughs> like, you know, there's now there's nothing that's necessarily too amazing about it. But as a kid living through 1989, um, I was like, what am I looking at? Uh, and I, cause I was really young. Um, I actually probably watched it a few years after 1989, because that's when it came out in theaters in the U.S. So I wouldn't have made it to Mexico until a few years later in some format that I could actually watch it in. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, this movie has stuck with me. It, I, You know, I have to go back and watch it again. I've seen it maybe a couple of times since then, mm-hmm. and I can't tell if the movie is actually good because it just... <laughs> since it kind of lives in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, this part is great. It's a, an iconic moment of the movie Millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm like, but but was it good? You know, is this movie actually any good? It's based on a short story. Actually, you, you'd be surprised how many time travel movies are based on short stories. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I've never I've never sat down to read uh, the one that this is based on. Um, maybe I should at some point just to just to continue to i guess give this movie real estate in my brain so yeah my number this five is, is millennium this is such an, one of an the... interesting movies because i find it hard to believe that this actually made it to the big screen in 1989 mm-hmm. because it stars chris christopherson and cheryl ladd that's really what I was about big stars ask. from the late 70s early 80s and for this thing to come out essentially 1990 i think it came out in august of 89 so in the back half of the year um the only context that i have for it is seeing it on television so when you mentioned it i was like this is a television movie right nope it went to the big screen uh but uh yeah that it's one that when you watch it it feels like a movie that is out of its own time it yeah. does. And I, yeah, I think it's been like 10 years in development. Hell is part of the reason why it feels like a 79 movie. But I remember seeing this in college on cable and I have no idea what my state of mind was. But, you know, it was a point in time where I may have been plastered. Um, and I remember seeing this and thinking, you know, it was an episode of Charlie's Angels for a split second. <laughs> so that's literally what I remember is wasn't one of Charlie's Angels in this time travel thing. But I want to say that I confuse it with another movie with Emilio yeah. Estevez because of the similar. Oh, I know, oh, I know which one you're talking about where he goes back Free in Jack. time. And yeah, he, Oh, is it free Jack where he goes to the future and uh, Mick Jagger yeah. and uh, is trying to hunt him? Yeah. Because free okay. Jack is the one where people, rich people in the future are buying yeah. new bodies. And what yeah. they do is they go back in time to the split second of a fatal accident where the body was never recovered yeah. and steal the body and then install the mind of well, the don't, rich Well, don't spoil it. It may be on somebody's, it may be on somebody's oh. Uh, oh. Uh, list. Oh. So yeah, you got to be careful about that. Oh. Uh, so yeah, the, I was oh. thinking you were thinking of the one that was the, the battleship going through the, uh, the wormhole, uh, oh, uh back yeah, to yeah. world war two. No, 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 That's... not Philadelphia experience. Um, it's another one that I, I don't, I want to say it has Chris Christopherson in it, but it's a, a modern day military, um, aircraft carrier goes through a time mm-hmm. tunnel 
and oh, winds the final up countdown. Yeah, just before World War, uh, just before uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and they have to decide: well, do we stop the bombing or do we let it happen? So oh. That has Mark Sheen in it, I think. Oh, maybe it is. It's it's yeah, another that's, one that's kind of in the I, back of the closet of my uh, time travel movie compendium. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. I'd never seen that one. It's like mo- a modern day. Uh, warship goes back in time is like oh so that's reverse philadelphia experiment yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah well because in the philadelphia experiment it's not the ship it's just the people right so oh, there right. you go uh speaking of people traveling back in time my number five <laughs> tells a story about a man who uh is in the future but he always has this vision of when he was a little boy and seeing this beautiful woman's face And at some point, uh, these really crazy scientists come to him and say, we're going to send you back in time uh, because we need you to figure out a way to stop this disaster that's coming. And so they they test him. He goes back in time. Sometimes he jumps too far in the past. Sometimes he doesn't jump far enough. But each time he sees this vision of this woman's face until finally he goes back to the time where he can meet and interact with her, fall in love with her. And then uh, he suddenly realizes that uh, when he was a little boy and in an airport, when he first saw this woman's uh, face, uh, that uh, a man was killed in front of him. And then as the movie ends, we realize that he was the man that died in front of him. I am, of course, talking about 1962's La Gite or La Jete. La Jete. Uh, this is from a French filmmaker, 1962, uh, French yeah. filmmaker, uh, Chris Marker. And this is a really fascinating time travel movie because it is done mostly, well, it's a black and white movie. It's done almost entirely with still photos to tell the story. And it does tell this story about a little boy who remembers, uh, seeing this beautiful woman at the airport. And then like a week later or something, world war three, uh, starts out. And so in the future, they're all living underground because it's a post-nuclear war and everyone's trying to send him back to the past because he has a good, solid grip on his memories where he meets this girl and sees everything play out. And then they send him to the future where he finds out that society has recovered and all this stuff. And the people in the future give him this um, energy device to take back to his present so that they can restart civilization. And then all the scientists in the present are like, we going to kill you. And so he escapes to the past and it, it ends up just exactly like 12 monkeys. If you're thinking, wow, the, Stephen, I thought you were talking about 12 monkeys. No, <laughs> this is the precursor to 12 monkeys. The, 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 the short film, it's only like 30 minutes long that inspired 12 monkeys. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. um, Terry Gilliam, I believe talks about how uh, when he was working on 12 monkeys, that this was the thing that he kind of um, explored upon. This also is a movie that you can get instant access to now it feels very different because it's all still images and it's told that way, but mm-hmm. it is, it is really interesting. 1962's Le Jeté, uh, definitely worth tracking down. Um, it's part of the Criterion collection, so they've done a really good job at, at uh, preserving it. You can uh, hear it. Uh, they've, they've dubbed it in English for people who want the English version. The version that I had did not have subtitles, and there's parts in the movie where all you hear is whispering. And I think that's intentional that you can't really hear what they're saying, or mm. you can't make it out as clearly as you think you can. So mm. definitely a, uh, a trippy movie. That is my number five time travel movie. Now I have Matthew, to watch that. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, there's, I think when I was watching it 
a couple of months ago, I think I only remember seeing like one or two bits that are actually film. And they're really shocking when you see it. You're like, oh, is this a still image? And then somebody blinks and you're like, nope. Uh, and so it, it gets a little, a little interesting there. But what do you have for your number five, Matthew? My number five. Is or I'm sorry, your number is... four. We already did number five. So we're up to number four. No, no, no. It's a time warp. They're all number five. My new number five, the new number five, uh, after the, the revision of time, which is to say number four, is a film that I dearly love because it ties to something else that I dearly love. And that is the music of Michael Nesmith, who recently passed away, and I'm still super bummed about it. But it is a movie starring Fred Ward, who you may know as Remo Williams, or you may know as Tremors, uh, or you may know as that guy with a face that looked like it's sculpted out of, like, you know, iron. Uh, Fred Ward, not Fred Willard, that's a different guy, plays a dirt bike racer, and he's the greatest dirt bike racer in the world, and his name is Lyle Swan. And Lyle Swan drives so fast, it's so wild, that he accidentally crashes into a time travel experiment and sends him back in time to the year 1877 on his Yamaha uh, off-road motorcycle. Vroom, vroom, I remember vroom. seeing this. Yeah, it's called Time Writer, colon, yeah. The Adventure of Lyle Swan. Uh, and it features music. Oh, yours has by, the colon in it? Because I've always known it as just Time Writer. Yeah, the version that I have on, on uh, I, I was going to say DVD, but it's actually VHS. The version that I have on VHS that I bought in college is actually colon, The Adventures of Lyle Swan. Or Weird. rather, The Adventurer of Lyle Swan. Uh, but it features music by Michael Nesmith. And I believe that Nesmith may have been like an executive producer, but it's a phenomenally silly 80s film and um the only way that i can describe it is if you remember uh the unidentified flying oddball from disney i want you to just picture that with instead of you know going back to arthurian times you're going back to the american old west of the late 1800s and he's got a motorcycle of room vroom and also um, he's alive and the oddball is a robot so no, he has a robot with him who looks just like him. Mm, okay. The oddball. There was there was a man. I promise you. Uh, but anyway, he you know he goes back and he runs afoul of the U.S. Marshals and he has to you know interact and try to stop bad things. And there's an old song that my grandfather used to sing. It's a song about a man who went back in time, and it's called "I'm My Own Grandpa." I mentioned this for purely. Uh, informational reasons has nothing to do with the plot of this film, but uh, it has really, really, really pathetic moments where he encounters a small, what is supposed to be a small village in Mexico. And even in 1990, something, something uh, with my, uh, I think I have about a, a ninth grade uh, grasp of the Spanish language, colloquially speaking, I could tell that this was bad Spanish. So, uh, Rodrigo, you may want to watch this movie with a grain of salt and maybe a you know, jigger of uh, vodka. But if you do get a chance, first of all, I don't know that it's streaming anywhere. Um, you know, I, I don't even know what company made it. So if it's not Disney, it ain't streaming is what I've oh, heard. Oh, it's probably, but... who, who are those brothers from Iran? Um... <laughs> oh, Golden Globus? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I it's think them. This... I think this actually came from Pacific Arts, uh, oh, okay. Mike's production company, back when it was called El Zumo, which is a reference to something else that might actually make this movie go down a little smoother. But 
if you enjoy weird kitsch and if you enjoy what I like to refer to as the very bottom of the barrel of trash pop culture with some fine, fine music, uh, you could do worse than to see Time Writer colon The Adventure of Lyle Swan. All right. Uh, I mean, you could do worse. Yes. Um, Rodrigo, you probably have something better. What is your number four? Uh, My number four is a movie that came out in 2012. Starring Aubrey Plaza, a.k.a. April Ludgate, uh, Jake Johnson, a.k.a. Peter B. Parker, Uh and no one else you'd recognize. Well, lots of people (laughs) you guys would recognize. Well, sure. Jeff Jeff Garland is in it. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's called Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh, right, right. And, yeah, the idea, it's like the, the premise is... This guy posts a classified ad that's like, wanted someone to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. You'll get paid afterwards. Um, safety, you know, safety not guaranteed. Like, could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about this guy. So it's this guy who's trying to uh, put back, like, put his time machine together or back together. Um, and... So uh, Aubrey Plaza plays a reporter who is trying to kind of make her way. And so her editor sends her after this kind of to punish her, to get her off his back. Um, And then she starts talking to this guy and the guy seems like he's totally losing it. Um, And but the more time that she spends with him, the more she likes him. And then she kind of starts believing him. And this is one of the many, many, many movies that pose the question, time traveler or mentally disturbed person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you don't get to figure it out until the very end. It is on my list of time travel movies because time travel comes up a yep. lot. But, uh, in fact, there is very little to no time travel on it. So I won't spoil it for you whether there actually is some. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's a it's a pretty good movie. It's good times. And it's like it, it, it's a movie in which time travel is like central mm-hmm. to it. But time travel itself is maybe not seen so much. Safety yeah, if you go if you go in expecting it's. I don't want to say it's kind of like uh, Matthew's uh, number five, uh, the Penny time travel movie, but mm-hmm. it's it's more about the relationship these two people have and yeah. questioning the sanity of the of the the male character who wants to go back in time and the antics of the other people that are involved in it. Um, right, it's Lots still a really good. It's a still a really good movie, and you do get an answer. Uh, it may happen in the last thirty seconds of the film, but you do get an answer of whether this guy is uh, is telling the truth or whether he's a fakey. Uh, but I yeah, remember that. That's that, a, that's uh, a. I remember when the personal ad that it's based on went like proto viral. It wasn't quite oh, the same. That's thing. right because it's based on on, like, a, on an actual. It's based on a real classified ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at, I think that the initial, that when they were initially writing this, the, either the writer or the producer was thinking it was real, but it turns out that that was actually a, a gag by uh, an actual uh, editor. But 
I still remember that blowing up. And I'm like, you know, the part that really sells it for me is the end of his ad where he's like, I've only done this once before. Right. And I'm like, that's what makes it so perfect. Because up till that point, it could be parody. But that just that that cry at the end, that, you know, almost earnestness of it. I'm just like, yeah, 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 this could be real. And and really, that's what what the movie's about, right? It's yeah. It's about are you are you going to allow yourself to be very cynical or do you want to believe in this? Right. Just, you know, kind of what where it and goes with it. Rudy can become a real boy. <laughs> I don't remember how that movie goes. Oh, OK. Uh, so there you go. Uh, my, there's a I'm looking up a, a performance artist guy that you guys might want to check out that kind of does similar things like this. Uh, really, mm-hmm. really cool. But um, right now we need to talk about my number four. This is the story uh, all about how two boys uh, escaped a (laughs) UFO death cult uh, when they were younger. And now they're older and they receive a mysterious VHS tape that tells them, hey, come back to the death camp. Uh, Everybody's fine. Everything's cool. We miss you. Come back and see us. And they're like, I don't know. And then they do it. Uh, And what ends up happening is they start experiencing time happening again and again and certain events happening again and again. And they step into things where this guy looks like he's from the 1800s. There's some crazy, maybe spooky monster out and about. There's actually a crossover with another film by this director uh, that features the actors in the same situation from this other movie. So the two are very tied together. It's all super Lovecraftian. It's all spooky as heck. And by the end of the movie, you don't know whether these guys actually make it out of the area in which they're trapped um, as I guess the end of the world is about to happen. Question mark. Uh, I'm talking about the endless. This is a 2017 movie from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Uh, It is. It's fascinating. It's scary. I had. So my oldest son, uh, the boy that most of, you know, Uh, I've started to get him on a kick of, hey, let's watch some time travel movies because he's like, oh, I really enjoy time travel movies. When I showed him The Endless, when he got to the end of that, he was like, that was weird AF. And I'm like, I know, right? And then uh, this other movie that uh, I can't remember the name of the other movie off the top of my head, but literally there's a movie that comes before this where these two guys are trapped in time. And we later find out in this movie that they're trapped in the same location as the the two guys of this film. It's, it's yes, that's it. Um, it is crazy and it is trippy, but the endless is good, scary time travel. I think that's something we don't get enough of in time travel movies is actual, um, horror. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff out there like, uh, what's the one where they're at the black hole and, um, they event, keep horizon. Exper- event horizon. Right. Um, but this one is like, cosmic horror type stuff. And I guess, uh, event horizon is a little bit like that, but we don't nearly get enough horror movies and time travel together. So go check out the endless. This is one that's, it almost feels like an art film because it's so out there. The acting isn't super great, but it draws you in. And then when you realize the situation and you see what's happening, you're hoping these guys get away. So the endless, my number four, Okay, we are into our number threes. Matthew, what do you have for your number three? Now, uh, before I get to my number three, I do want to share, as I sometimes do, a little inside baseball about my uh, search process. And when this movie popped up in my thoughts, 
my first thought was, this is great. And my second thought was, Stephen will tell me unequivocally that this is not a time travel movie. Depends on um, what it is. Because uh, Stephen uh, has a, a, a theory that states that if, the, if it's just like a, a time loop and they're reliving the same day over and over, it's not a time travel movie. No, 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 no. It's, no, time loops are fine because time loops happen all the time in time travel movies. My mm-hmm. specification is, and, and there's most of these movies that I've listed, there's not really mm-hmm. a hard science. I prefer time travel movies that have an explanation, even if it is, look at this penny as the, <laughs> as the method for time travel. At least you have something to tie it to that science fiction thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, if it's just like, uh, we're just in a time loop, I guess that's the way it is. Then that's when I'm like, eh, I don't know if this is really a time travel movie. <laughs> okay. So, with that caveat in play, he's about to tell me that my number three, Palm Springs, is I haven't not seen that one yet. I want to see it. I want to see I, it. I do recommend it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's relatively recent, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, like, but I uh, haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I think, was when yeah, I saw yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, I actually watched this movie. It was early on uh, in pandemic times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was one of those films where they're like, Hey, here's this brand new thing that is streaming and it's streaming on a service you already pay for. And I'm like, well, heck we're going to sit down and watch this. So the widget and I sat down and watched this. And it's the story of a young woman named Sarah who goes to a wedding in Palm Springs meets this total weirdo, uh, played by Andy Samberg, who you may remember as detective Jake, uh, Peralta, uh, from Brooklyn nine, nine and they go and they have a little thing. And as they're out in the desert and they're, you know, kissing and making out suddenly he's shot by a guy who's stalking him with a bow and arrow. And, you know, the implication is this basic, Oh no, not again. And he warns her, don't follow me. Don't follow me. And he crawls into this cave and she follows him and then wakes up the morning of the wedding in her hotel room. And as the story unfolds, we find out things that led up to the moment of being here. We find out that no one else has been in the loop except for Andy Samberg and maybe, you know, the unknown person who's stalking him with a bow and arrow. And it kind of unfolds as sort of a, a combination of your, your basic, what do you call it? Um, the, the groundhog day loop for lack mm-hmm. of a better. Mm-hmm. And then it comes together with this absolutely beautiful, beautiful romance because Andy Samberg is cute as heck. And then the other half of this is uh, Kristen Malati, who most people, if they know her at all, probably only know her as uh, the titular mother from how I met your mother. And of course the way that film or that series rather ended has soured a lot of people on it. So if you've never seen her there or as uh, you know, the, cocaine sniffing doctor on the Mindy project, you kind of owe it to yourself. You know, if you hated the end of how I met your mother, you should watch Palm Springs. It won't make you feel any better, but Kristen Malati actually gets to do some fun stuff. And then of course it comes down to a question of, can they maintain this relationship? And if they can, can they get out of the loop? So, you know, you have the moment, that really beautiful moment that happens in so many time travel movies where I'm going to figure out time travel. And, of course, that also is part of the fun. So, Palm Springs, 2020 film. 
Uh, I saw it on the uh, streaming yeah, it's, service it's, that rhymes with Mulu. It's it's um, widely available. I'll just Wide- say that. Available. Yeah, yeah. You can get it's it on a- most of the most of the streaming services, or at least most of the digital delivery platforms. Because that's where I first saw it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to put this on my wish list." And then I've never yep. gotten around to um, actually completing the purchase. So. Yeah, and it is a wonderful game of hey, it's that guy because CW Superman is in this. Uh, Tenzin from uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, or actually from Legend mm-hmm. of Korra, is in this. Uh, there's that one dude with the face of the thing. You know the guy got the elbow oh, yeah. with his arm. That yeah, guy. Rodrigo. His name's Rodrigo. Tons of people in this, and of course Peter Gallagher, or as I like to call him, Doctor Eyebrows, is in this. So, if you get a chance, you think I'm joking? Right now, I want you to Google Peter Gallagher. Look at his face. Uh, and go, I know Peter Gallagher. <laughs> I was talking to the people at home. Oh, but you know, you know, Scroll face. Brian. That was like our go-to like celebrity lookalike for Scroll Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I can see that, especially in in their younger days when Peter Gallagher was like. I'm going to say sex lies in video type era and scroll. Brian was in his late twenties. I can definitely see that. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely a lookalikes. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three? My number three, uh, is, uh, very often, uh, characters in time travel stories, go back in time to try and fix something. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it does. Uh, but it's pretty rare that an entire time travel movie is created to fix um, other aspects of the franchise. And I am talking, of course, about X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, I was a a teenager when the X-Men movies first came out, and I was really into them. And then X3 happened, and I fell off the wagon mega hard. And did not did watch another, people. huh? As did most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did not watch another X Men movie until Days of Future Past. Um, I wasn't interested in the first class stuff. I wasn't interested in any of the Wolverine spinoffs. Um, but once Days of Future Past came out, I was like, okay, well, they're doing Days of Future Past, so I'm curious about how they're going to do it. Um, and as it turns out. Days of Future Past kind of is there to rework some of the other stuff that happened in the X-Men movies and to kind of, I guess, fix it. And that is why no other X-Men movies were made after that. <laughs> Great. Yep. So that's now, which, three. which version of that did you watch? Did you watch the um, I, the original have, theatrical or have you watched the, the um, Rogue edit? I the nine-hour Rogue edit. I have seen some scenes from the Rogue edit. Um, so for for people who don't know, originally Rogue was in this movie and she was completely cut out um, because basically halfway through, uh, Kitty Pride can no longer uh, transmogrify the time stream. Why she could do that to begin with, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, so they need to get Rogue so that Rogue can observe her powers and keep going. But uh, they decided to just not to just cut all that out for for perfectly reasonable. Oh, sure. Um, you know, it's like it, it made sense. Uh, but yes, there is a cut that has Anna Paquin in it. You know, Anna Paquin, mm-hmm. I think, is literally still in the credits. Yep. Um, 
Uh, but but none of her scenes made it into the movie, which is pretty weird. And it's kind of sad because Anna Paquin was in that first X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, X-Men Days of Future Past works to kind of recontextualize, reinvent a lot of X-Men stuff. And it unites, you know, the... the um, first class. The, the pa- yeah, the first class, like the Patrick Stewart X-Men with the um, Mr. Tumnus X-Men. Um, and uh, yeah, so it does all this stuff. And unfortunately, they had to cut Anna Paquin out, which is too bad. If you uh, get yeah. a chance, if you get a chance to, to watch the full thing, it really does feel like at times a very different movie uh, when they when they have all of her stuff back in. So if you get a chance, watch it. Also, sure. uh, the method in which Kitty Pride sends people back into the past is the same as a look at this penny work. Don't look at this penny. It's exactly the exact same thing. Sure. We're it going is, to hypnotize your pennies. I, I do remember like one of my first impulse, like one, one of the first thoughts I had when seeing really the, the trailer, like, cause this is, this is evident from the trailers. I was like, I can't believe they gave Kitty pride's thing to Wolverine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like who's who's the time who's supposed to be the time traveler here? Why are you making a Wolverine? But you know, whatever. Uh, you get to see um, Wolverine's buns in this, so I, I guess that's something. There yeah, it's definitely a thing that happens. All yep. right, my number three is a super sad movie. I don't <sighs> have any really rom coms on my list, uh, but this one, and it's it's going to confuse many of you because many of you will be thinking. Oh, uh, this movie, uh, has, uh, America's sweetheart, um, uh, Rachel McAdams in it. You must be talking about the time traveler's wife. No, I'm not. I am instead talking about, uh, about time, which is a 2013 British uh, comedy about a guy who suddenly discovers that his family lineage, every male in the family has the ability to time travel. And all they have to do is go into a dark place, usually a closet and think about the time that they want to travel to and they can go back and experience that time again or make changes to the timeline. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's the silliness of, Oh, I met this really cute girl. Uh, let me go back. And, uh, every time I make a mistake in our romance, uh, I'll go back and do it differently so that it works out perfectly. And that's kind of how he ends up with, um, uh, Rachel McAdams. Uh, it also shows some very sad parts because, um, there's some real tragedy in here. Uh, I will say that, uh, Bill Nighy, uh, plays the father, uh, in this, in this piece. And the interesting thing is when these guys, uh, when, um, Dom Hall Gleason, uh, travels back in time, he can go and visit his father and his father is like, Oh, you're so-and-so from the future. I know exactly what's going on. You don't have to explain anything to me. They have a great time, like playing uh, playing ping pong or, or doing things that they couldn't do when uh, the main character was younger. Uh, and so they really start to build up uh, a father son relationship that they didn't have when they were younger. It is a tearjerker of a film. If you do, if you have a dry eye, when you get to the end of about time, I would definitely check and make sure that you're human. Uh, and not some kind of cyborg robot that has no feelings because then Harrison Ford's going to come and hunt you down. Uh, because about time is just going to make you ball like a baby. Um, that is my number three. I don't really want to spoil too much more, except that here's a guy who can travel back in time and make the changes. The ending is just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. 
So there you go. That's my number three. Uh, uh, let's see. Matthew, what do you have for number two? My number five um, is a movie. And what I like to do in top five occasionally is give you a little inside baseball of my thought process. So what I believe is that Stephen is going to tell me that this does not count as a time travel movie. Now, do, do they explain time travel? And if the answer is they do in the second movie, then no, it's not a time travel movie. Yeah, they do in the second movie. But more importantly, it is a movie that, you know, we've talked about movies that go back in time to fix problems in universe. This is a movie that I think is actually designed to fix problems with the horror movie genre, specifically around Mm -hmm. the trope of the final girl. Because Happy Death Day, which is a 2017 horror slash time travel asterisk for Steven slash comedy slash slash film. If you, I'm glad you enjoy this movie. I watched it and it pissed me off. It is an, it is a movie that can make you angry. And, uh, I feel like it's a movie best seen with the sequel because with the sequel, it really works, but it starts with a terrible, terrible young woman who is a terrible, awful person. And it's not just, you know, that she's a two dimensional caricature of the nasty girl's sorority girl college thing it's that she sells it she feels like a real person version of the two-dimensional nasty girl sorority girl who wakes up on her birthday is a terrible rotten spoiled brat and at the end of the night gets murdered and normally this would be the beginning of the horror movie slasher plot but instead of getting murdered and dying and setting off the movie she wakes up again the morning of her birthday And throughout the film, I don't remember how many times it cycles because there are a few where it doesn't specify. It's like a dozen, yeah, where she just gets killed a different way. Yeah, it's the Harold Ramis exclusion to time loops where you don't explain how many times because it's not necessarily important. But Stephen will later figure out it's like 10,000 years. No, and that's Uh, only because um, um, what's his name? Uh, Lloyd Dobler or whatever his name is (laughs) came out and said that that's Mm -hmm. how many years it was. Yeah. Okay, so. Happy Death Day basically takes Tree, our heroine, and has her realize not only that she's a terrible person, but that she can be better. And throughout her, you know, throughout this whole thing, she keeps waking up in the morning, knowing a little bit more and trying to unravel the story of her own murder. And it's really kind of fascinating when you get halfway through and you realize all of this stuff they've been telling you and all of the things you think and you realize may not be true at all and that this girl actually has a heart and there's something else going on and when you get to the murder you're like oh that makes perfect sense that's been there since the beginning and then of course if you do watch the sequel she actually proves that she's not only able to become a good person she's damn near a rock star and saves two separate realities but as this movie unfolds you realize that this woman has intentionally become a two-dimensional sorority, nasty girl stereotype for a deep, emotionally meaningful reason. And you get to the end of the film and she finally makes a right decision. And I'm just like, man, this this would make a great X-Men film. This is that movie where it's a great, great X-Men film. And of course, I have a gift that I like to use from one of the movies where she knows she's going to wake up tomorrow and she's mad that her ex-boyfriend is making out with one of her roommates or her former roommates. So she goes skydiving without a uh, parachute, falls on them, 
and just explodes, covering them in blood to teach them a yeah, lesson. That's, that's the that's the second movie. That's the second one. And then she wakes yeah. up in her bed and is like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, okay. On the one hand, that's probably the most evil thing she does in all of the film. But on the other hand, that's hardcore. So I mean, she murders somebody. She didn't murder somebody. Eh, she much. shot a murderer in self-defense. Okay. Rod- Rodrigo, Happy times. Death Day is Matthew's number two. What is your My number, number two. two? My number five. Remember. Uh, that's right. Um, my number two. Or five. Or no, uh, I've uh, I'm on a I'm on a steady time loop. So no matter what you do, you actually can't change my list. <gasps> oh, you're if a you, fixed point in time. If you try to go back and fate and change my list, you will have in fact caused me to pick the things that I had already picked in the future. Oh, oh, oh! So it's one of those Kelso bottle time loops. Yep. Where you never ever meet the girl from that other movie. <laughs> Uh, so my number 12 is a story about um, a person who uh, lives in a terrible world that uh, where a horrifying sickness has driven everybody underground um, and is then enlisted for a time travel experiment to see if they can if he can find out um, how it was that the world ended up as such an absolute uh, crap sack um, in the middle of all of this, because he is sort of, because he's being sent back through like weird chemical processes. Uh, he starts seeing the face of a woman. They also play for him some conversations uh, that were recorded in an answering machine. Um, and he's supposed to go find that out. Um, he has this memory of this woman. He has a memory of a man being shot. Uh, when he was a little kid, and it is in fact Twelve Monkeys, the movie that is based on La Jetée. La Jetée. Um, so uh, I thought about having La Jetée on here, but um, it's like I enjoy La Jetée because I went to film school. Like in that sense, nerd. Uh, nerd. Yeah, in that sense, I'm like, <laughs> behold. Um, but. Uh, I enjoyed 12 Monkeys because I enjoyed 12 Monkeys. You know, it's a weird, quirky movie. It's a Terry Gilliam joint. Mm -hmm. Um, It is um, what I want to say. It's like manic. Like the the movie is like it's a manic, depressive movie. Like the movie goes between these moments of like extreme jittery action to moments where the main character starts to question if he really is a time traveler. This is a movie that does that time traveler or a mentally disturbed person pretty well. Um, Because even if you know ahead of time, or even if you believe one or the other, um, there's still something in there for you. Uh, Brad Pitt is in this Mm -hmm. um, squarely in his, I'm not just a, not just a beautiful boy um, period of movies. Uh, I would say this and uh, what was that movie? Was it blow where he plays the, like the pikey. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, um, not lock stock, but, um, yes, I know exactly which one you're talking about. It's not, blue. you know what I'm talking about? It's I know blue. what you're talking about. And so does you know everyone else. They're all yelling at the They're screen. All ye- right you're all now. yelling it at your various devices. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Um, 12 monkeys is 
a really strange film and in this it's you know similarly to brazil like it's not as visually um like over the top as brazil like brazil is like art you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's being like it's creating this whole strange feeling and place of the city um through the language of the film this film doesn't try to do that as much it's basically doing something else it's trying to like (laughs) <laughs> like poking you to anger you and confuse mm-hmm. you um, and does so very well, I would say. So yeah, my number two uh, and which has always been my number two and cannot be changed. 12 monkeys. There you go. Uh, my number two is an Academy award nominated short film. It's a comedy about a guy who invents time travel and then has nothing but problems as he tries to attempt to impress a woman that he finds very interesting. It is uh, so good. It is. It makes you laugh. It's 11 minutes long. Um, there is. So here's the thing. This was the Academy uh, nominated short film. I can't remember if it won or not. I don't think it did, but it was enough to where I went and check this down, check this out and just laugh hysterically. It is so funny. Um, the director, what's his name? Andrew Bowler. I believe went on and made another movie in 2018 called time freak, which is like a two hour version of this 11 minute short film. I haven't watched the 2018 version, but it seems like if you take something that has got perfect comedic timing in 11 minutes, and then you take that premise and you stretch it out to two hours, it seems like that one may not be as good. So Go ahead and check out the 2018 film. I'll probably go check it out as well at some point. But the one I'm talking about is Time Freak. 11 minutes. Go watch it. Laugh your head off on uh, what happens when you can't control uh, fate. There you go. That's my number two. All right. uh, Let us get to our number ones. Matthew, what do you have for number one? My number five. Uh, takes place in a future world where humanity has almost been wiped out, forcing the survivors to live underground. Um, and it is not about 12 monkeys, my friends. It is about infinite monkeys because my movie is the first and also third, depending on whether you're talking chronologically or temporally, movie in the endless escape from the planet, or rather Planet of the Apes franchise, colon, the film Escape from the Planet of the Apes, my number one, from 1971. It is the story that breaks the universe by taking the time travel. Um, basically, honestly, time travel in the first Planet of the Apes film is just like a, a little doll at the end. It's, it's the Rod Serling, right. literally the Rod Serling twist at the end. And then it was followed by a film called Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where Charlton Heston said, I'll come back, but only if you kill the death out of me so that I don't have to do this again. And so Beneath the Planet of the Apes ends with the underground cult of radioactive fleshy-headed mutants trying to capture Charlton Heston and having him literally set off a massive nuclear explosion, which destroys the earth. However, unbeknownst to you, me, and Bobby McGee, behind the scenes, uh, a, a, an ape who is a genius named Zira and her husband, uh, Roddy McDowell, have fixed the ship 
that brought him to the future. And so they've gone back in time to a time before Beneath. So it's actually after Beneath, but before, before, and in between Conquest. But by going back in time, they also wreck the timeline because Planet of the Apes takes place in the far, far future. By going back to the year 1973, Cornelius and Zira have a baby who is a talking ape of future genus. And of course, that child then starts what becomes the planet of the apes about a thousand years too early. But all of that is not important because the whole point of this film is sitting and watching the amazing acting of Kim Hunter under about 50 pounds of, of rubber makeup, just killing it. And I, you know, I only knew before this film, Kim Hunter as like one of those, heartthrob women who would show up and be like the girl that Marlon Brando is in love with. But in this movie, she acts, just acts the hell out of everything. It's such an amazing role. And she's playing it under a big rubber mask. And of course, you know, Roddy McDowell is in it. And Victor Newman from the young of the restless pops up. Uh, Ricardo Montalban is in it. And I love him. This is one of his earlier roles. So he shows up in it, and he's just incredibly charming. And as you watch this whole film, you realize something is wrong. And the something that's wrong is that the people who made this sequel went, let's make some more sequels. We heard there's money in it. But then later writers have to try and take the time loop on top of the time loop and turn it into a stable time reality. If you, uh, if you know Otter Disaster, he actually has uh, one of those boards with all of the circles and the arrows and the pins and the red thread going back and forth. He could actually explain to you the Planet of the Apes chronology, but he does come out of it looking a lot like that gif of Charlie Day. So be aware, it's not going to be something that you walk away from unchanged. Nonetheless, right. absolutely all of this. Yes. Rodrigo, what is your number one? Uh, my number one is um, perhaps predictable, but maybe not that predictable. Uh, my number one is uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, so if you've heard the show before, really, <laughs> if you've listened to any episode of this show, uh, you might know that I'm a big fan of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I think that's actually, now that there are three, the superior of the three uh, Bill and Ted movies. Um, and I just enjoy it a lot. But the thing about Bill and Ted's bogus journey is that it's not really a time travel film like there's time travel in it but it's such a small weird part of it and so many other colossally weird things happen in this movie that it's kind of not fair to even classify it as a as a time travel movie um so but bill and ted's excellent adventure is a perfectly functional time travel movie um that stars, you know, two well-meaning meaning idiots trying to ace their, uh, or, or trying to not fail their history report, um, who are sort of gifted a, gifted a time travel machine from someone in the future who really, really needs them to not fail at life so that they can then grow up and change the future. Um, what else can be said about this movie? It stars Keanu Reeves. Um, so it's George Carlin. Mm -hmm. um, it yeah, finally answers that question in every time travel movie of why don't they just remember to come back here and do this 
Right. So, yeah, in fact, it's when you look into time travel media, um, there is a concept called Sandima's time. And it this movie established that that basically time continues to move forward while you're time traveling. So if it if you spend a day time traveling, you can only get back to your life a day after you left, which is an interesting concept and makes about as much sense as anything else in this movie. Yeah. By the way, San Dimas time six twenty three p.m. Pacific yeah. Standard. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my number one, like I said, not Back to the Future, although. In any other time uh, travel movie list uh, or t- discussions of time travel, it would certainly be up there because nothing is more hysterical than uh, your mom trying to have sex with you. Uh, <laughs> that is, you know, that makes it really great. But if you want something that's really going to probably offend some of your sensibilities, then you definitely need to check out a film called Predestination starring Ethan Hawke, Sarah Snook and Noah Taylor. This movie came out. It was a, a 2014 film uh, came out in Australia I don't remember if it had, it did not have a U.S. release for whatever reason. Maybe because so many people were like, there's no way audiences will accept this film or the premise of this film. Uh, But it is about a time cop or a time traveling agent who is traveling through time trying to stop a mad bomber. And along the way, he meets a bartender and falls in love with a girl and uh, has his face almost exploded off. And he comes face to face with the mad bomber. And that's all I'm going to say, because this movie, when you figure out what is going on in this movie, you're going to be like, no way. Oh, no way. Uh, No way that they're doing this. And then you're like, yeah, I can see why this wouldn't play in the United States. It's based on the 1959 short story, All You Zombies by Robert Heinlein. Uh, So if you're familiar with that short story, then you know why so many people might be offended by uh, predestination. But it is so, so good, ladies and gentlemen, that if you're wanting a a thriller, mind-bending time travel movie, Predestination is the film that you need to watch. And that is my number one, uh, this time around, time travel movie. What's your favorite time travel movie, dear listeners? Head over to our Major Spoilers Discord server, jump into the Top 5 channel, and uh, share your Top 5 time travel movies. Maybe your top, uh, maybe you have uh, Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3 on your list. Maybe you have uh, Live, Die, Repeat on your list. Who knows? Uh, I'm very interested to see what everyone lists, because even though I think I've seen almost every time travel movie out there, I still stumble across one or two every once in a while that I'm like, oh, I didn't see that one or didn't know about that one. So share your list, everybody. Why? Because everybody loves a list. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.